Welcome to the Life on Repeat podcast with me, Laura Valancourt, licensed mental health counselor, geriatric mental health specialist, and dementia coach. I'm so happy that you found us. Well, hey, friends, I am really excited. I know they say that every time, but I really am excited to have these two guests on today. We are meeting today with Mark and Travis Macy, and they have an incredible story to share with us about their adventures. There's a book coming out we're going to talk about. They were featured in one or two television series. One One main one, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And their story is just really inspiring. So we're going to just jump right in. And Travis and Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. I might go ahead and let Travis give a little bit of an introduction and then we'll, we'll hop over and Mark, you can share a little about yourself too. And we'll just dive right in. Yeah. Thanks, Laura. It's awesome to be here with you today and, and also with the uh, listeners as well. Dad and I are coming in today from Salida, Colorado, which is where I live. Mom and dad are visiting us today because my daughter has her final dance performance today. So they drove down a couple hours through a snowstorm here at the end of May and <laughs> they're coming to watch. So Colorado um, weather, right? <laughs> yeah. You never know. It was, it was 80 here about four days ago, but yeah. Anyway, uh, you know, dad and I are endurance athletes. So over the years we've, we've really enjoyed ultra running, mountain biking, skiing, snowshoeing, a sport called adventure racing, which is kind of a unique sport where co-ed teams of four race for often for days and days and hundreds of miles with running, biking, kayaking, climbing, navigating, that kind of stuff. It's been a good, good way for us to spend a lot of time together and see the world. In my day job, in addition to, to being a, a parent of younger kids, I coach adult endurance athletes and do some writing and do some podcasting myself, actually. And that's something dad and I do together. These days, dad used to be a lawyer, but now he's just a professional podcaster and athlete. That's just a professional podcast. I love it. Well, thank you. I already have so many questions and I want to just shoot over to Mark and allow you the opportunity to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself. I am Mark Macy. Used to be a lawyer trial lawyer. Wow. Glad I'm not one anymore. <laughs> it's been a long been your time. time. <laughs> I don't know how long it's been. It's probably, I don't know, four or five years or something like that. And, and I was just kidding. I loved it. It was a good job. And I, I just kind of grew out of it though. And now I am uh, just a regular guy who happens to have Alzheimer's disease. And that's a bit of a obstacle in my life, but everything's still good and, and I'm happy and I've got a great family and I spend a lot of time running, biking, all kinds of stuff. I'm still fit and strong and and I'm happy. Oh, that's great. Thank you so much, Mark. I love hearing that you've pivoted from your career to essentially being active. <laughs> I don't know if you consider that full-time or 
or not, but I know nothing about the world of endurance sports and these competitions that you've been in. And I'm really fascinated. I know our listeners would be too, to just learn a little more about it. So let me just start by asking who got into this first. Travis, did you say that you were kind of following in, in your dad's footsteps with this? Yeah. So my parents grew up in Michigan. They moved to Colorado, I think in 1980 and, and I was born in 83. And right around then dad started getting into these endurance sports, just kind of a an organic interest in it. You know, he, he saw a marathon on TV and decided to, to do one. So he did the Denver marathon. And then I don't know, maybe a year later, he, he did the Hawaii Ironman. That would have been like 1986. And then a couple of years after that, he did the Leadville 100 trail run for the first time. And that was kind of my first memory of it. I was, I was a little kid, you know, probably five years old or so. And I remember just being out there 4am and, and, uh, you got this old cowboy, Ken Kluber shooting a shotgun to start the race. And he's, he's out there saying these, these things like you're better than you think you are. You can do more than you think you can. And, and I think that kind of stuff really resonated with dad who was then in his early to mid thirties. And it, it definitely, it, it stuck with me even as a, as a little kid. And I kind of thought like, man, I want to, I want to do this kind of stuff sometimes. So anyway, how old were you when your dad, well, yeah, you said- I, was, I was probably five. Yeah. Like five, maybe for that first one. But I remember, you know, again, it starts at 4am and then you're, you're driving the racers have a support crew that drives around from point to point. This is in Leadville, Colorado. It's, it's at 10,000 feet. As we've seen this week, it can be hot, cold, snowy, hailstorms, like all, all that stuff's going on. And I just remember driving around and hanging out and then you're staying up all night long because the, the cutoff is the, it's 30 hours after the start. So the next day at 10 a.m. And, you know, that that first Leadville dad was really fighting that 30 hour cutoff and he, he made it like, I don't know, I think four minutes ahead of time. He was like the last finisher before the. <laughs> <laughs> the cutoff. You remember that dad, dad and his pacer got lost in the dark and there they, they had like all the technology and our knowledge and gear fueling. It's all come so far. I mean, these things are still very hard, but I mean, back then dad, you, you guys bought like flashlights at seven 11 before the race, you know? And so <laughs> flashlights went out and they're stumbling along in the dark and, you know, anyway, they, they made it. And that's kind of the start for dad. So he, he kept all that's where we need a, a TV series, right? It's to go back in time and record these original folks doing these races. Yeah. 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 There's, yeah, not as much footage, but there are, you know, there's a very popular running book called Born to Run by Christopher McDougall. And he talks about some of those kind of a little bit after that, but like Leadville 100 runs in the early 90s. And, you know, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of good stories. And a lot of those races today are, you know, like I said, the, technology and knowledge and the coaching, that kind of stuff, it's, it's changed, but it's still, it's just a long, hard challenge in, in the mountains with a lot of, a lot of uncertainty and unpredictability. And, it, and I think that for dad and I doing these things, you know, dad kept doing ultra runs and then adventure races for many years. And then kind of the mid two thousands, when I finished college, I got into all this stuff. It, it teaches you something, I think, about resilience and uh, and dealing with uncertainty, taking things step by step. And I think that for dad, when something like the Alzheimer's diagnosis came around, he did an incredible job of, of just, like you said, pivoting pretty quickly from a mindset of why me 
which is a reasonable question to ask to tomorrow. Well, let's make the most of it, you know, and let's, let's hang tough. Let's persevere. Let's, let's make a team and, and do our best. And some of those, I think, I think are, you know, some lessons from, uh, from the endurance sports. I can't imagine that it wouldn't be. And I'm also thinking about what kind of person it takes to do the endurance sports. And I'm really curious. I want to ask both of you what you think about the type of people that endurance sports attracts, but then also uh, what happens to a person once they get into that? You know, what is that shift? What, what are you, I'm imagining that you're learning so much about yourself and so much about, like you said, resiliency and, and certainty. What kind of people are out there doing the ultra runs and stuff? Oh, just regular people. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe they're not really regular people, but they're people who, you know, just like us, who got to love the outdoors and spend a lot of time outdoors. And, and it's, it's basically critical that for me to have a lot of time to go places and do things and that maybe most people don't do, but uh, it's just normal stuff for me and all of the guys and women who, who do it as well. Just regular people to ourselves. And <laughs> yeah. I love that you say that because it, it really kind of sends a message that anybody can do this. You know, you don't have to be a superhero. You don't have to have these amazing abilities to get out and dart regular people. Yeah. I'm curious, Mark, what got you into this? Travis spoke a little bit about the timeline and, and all of that, but what really was your draw? When did you decide? Well, to I had been an athlete all my life. And I played sports as a kid and played sports when I was in college and played sports when I got out of school and just kept at it. And Travis mentioned that we started now and then, you know, I, I got this Alzheimer's thing that kind of interrupts my speech every now and then. Yeah. So, so and, the, and I imagine, especially when you're asked a direct question like that, too. It, yeah. One, you know, one thing that comes to mind, Dad, and, and actually, Dad and I did a podcast with the legendary Ironman triathlete Mark Allen, and we were talking about the the Ironman in 1982, and and that was kind of a a famous TV event and listeners can even go find it on YouTube, but that, that 1982 Ironman, there was this incredible finish by a young woman named Julie Moss, who was leading the race and, and just had this, you know, basically she bonked and her body was completely out of energy and she was falling down and crawling and it's this incredible saga, but, but she finished and made it. And, and I think dad and both dad and Mark Allen were saying that TV moment, they saw that and they thought, wow, this is, look at these people doing this. The iron, like you swim 2.4 miles, you bike 112, you run a marathon all in one day, you know, and, and for some people, you know, again, back to the psychology of people who, who do this, you know, for some people, there's just, there's a certain appeal to that challenge and even to the experience, to the training, you know, really the people who stick with this at times it is hard, but there's also a lot of enjoyment. And, you know, those, those of us who keep doing it, we get a lot of, 
of calm and peace from, from the training and the exercise and the time outside and that kind of stuff. So I think, would you say dad, thinking back, was that kind of a key moment for you? Like, Oh man, I'm going to, you know, I'll go do that. And four years later, there he was, he was there. (laughs) That was the moment that basically changed my life. Trab mentioned Julie Moss, who was doing an Ironman race and she fell. And I happened to see this. I, I don't know why the TV was on at my house and I happened to see it. And I saw this young woman fall and she slid and she got up and she fell again and got up. And I said, man, well, I, I did not even know what this was that was going on. And I heard heard it was the Iron Man and I thought, man, I'm gonna see if I can get into this race. And and I did. And man, it changed my life. This is a great race and and it got me to all all over the place and got to race all a lot of places. And then I started doing other things. I started running big time races and all over the world and and I've you know I've been all over the world just with friends and just having a having a good time and then and, and just doing what we want to do and incredible I, you know everybody wants to know you you've got Alzheimer's and you know how do you how do you even live doing that and but you know my my life is perfectly good for me and I'm happy and you know I gotta tell you I, I'm bummed out I can't drive and it's, it's too bad and there's other things that you know aren't so good about Alzheimer's obviously and but yeah I'm okay I'm You're happy okay. And, and I've got our family is a fairly big family and we got little kids all over the place and <laughs> and it's life is good. And then I think it's going to remain that way for me. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Really. I think that so many people that I talk to and I meet and, and hear from over the years that initially when the diagnosis comes, I, I often hear one of two things. I hear people express a tremendous amount of relief that there is a name for what's happening, that they know what's going on because they knew something was off. And then I also hear people say they experience just that, that sort of devastation, that fear, the fear of the unknown, the fear of, am I somehow different now? Or what is my future going to look like? And do you mind sharing with us a little about how, when you got your diagnosis and what that was like for you? I I can't remember diagnosis was I think it was shoot Travis do you remember when that was or uh 2018 and I do have remember dad you were doing like some journaling at the time yeah actually on that day you kind of worked with mom and made this this journal that I happen to have in front of me because it's the first page of our book that dad and I you know been working on this book it's it's finally just about coming out here. And in a lot of the, I think probably one of the most important things about this book is it it includes a lot of dad's voice through, not only through him looking back on his, you know, childhood and young adulthood, which has some great (laughs) stories and stuff, but also through this, this Alzheimer's experience through this, this journaling that most of it was 
dad dictating to mom, but dad, here's, here's what you wrote on that, that first day. So Mark Macy's journal, October 16th, 2018, dad wrote, my name is Mark Macy. I'm 56 years old. And today I was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. My doctor, a neurologist, told me to get my affairs in order since Alzheimer's is invariably fatal. He advised me to not spend time worrying about this diagnosis, to instead take vacations, maybe go on a cruise with my wife, Pammy. I told him, this is bullshit. My wife told me I am not, I am 64, not 56. Maybe it's not complete bullshit. Five months ago, I donated a kidney to a stranger. You have to be in perfect health to be an organ donor. I'm one of the fittest people around. I run and bike and swim most days and certainly am as fit and healthy as any 56-year-old. My wife just told me again, I'm not 56 years old. I am not making this up. That really just happened. I finished day one of my Alzheimer's diagnosis with a significant decision. I didn't cause this disease. I'm not embarrassed to be one of the millions of people suffering from it. I'm not going to hide from it, and I'm going to share our story with anyone who wants to listen. Pammy, my son Travis, my daughters Caitlin and Donna, and I have dedicated ourselves to fighting this horrible disease that kills people all over the world. I'm going to share our story with anyone who wants to listen and to share in our excitement when I beat this thing. Whoa. I got chills, Mark. Really. One thing that just really stands out to me about this piece that you wrote, imagining you in that moment processing this information is that it sounds like almost immediately you are declaring that you're not going to feel shame from this or, you know, somehow, like you said, that you're responsible or you need to hide it or, but just that you are so willing. And from the very beginning, from the first day of your diagnosis, that you're declaring that you're willing to share your story, anyone who wants to hear or learn about that and not hide from it. This just means so much to me. I am really want to thank you for that because I meet so many people that are hiding, that are isolating themselves, that are disconnecting from the world and disconnecting from support and it, it just sounds like you just opened yourself up in that moment to be reaching out. Yeah, well, I'm, you know, all of us who have Alzheimer's disease, we're regular people and, and everybody's got a different way of, of managing it. And some people, I guess, it's, it's hard for them to manage or others. It's just a regular too bad and I got to go on with life and, that's the way I actually handle it. You know, it's, you just can't quit and you got to keep at it and just finish life and, and do what you need to do to keep your kids happy. And, and it's, it's, it's not that big of a problem for me, if you will. I mean, I'm just a regular guy now and what the heck. Do you have moments, Mark, where you do feel like giving up or you do feel helpless or? No, not at all. Not ever. I don't think maybe I do. I don't know, but I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious too about 
your family. And Travis, you could probably speak a lot to this too, but what the reaction was for the family and the, the whole process of processing yeah. this news and information. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure that, that, you know, anyone who's listening to this, who's, who's been impacted by Alzheimer's can relate to the, the fact that it often, although the diagnosis is not a surprise, it still hits you like a ton of bricks. And I know that it did for me. And, and interestingly, I, I think, uh, Dad's kind of always been leading the way uh, for us, and and my mom as well. She's she's also tough as nails and is an eternal optimist. And as people will see in the book, she's had her own her own health journey, and she's she's way tougher than any of us. But I think in some ways they were able to pivot faster than me, and and it was it was really hard for me, especially those looking back those first few months. Man, I think that as as a child, you know, as an adult child, you you expect that at some point there's going to be a gradual changing of roles uh, within the family, and that's that's natural. That's been happening since the beginning of time. For me, all of a sudden, this news made it feel like it was happening a lot sooner than I, than I expected. And and initially, the sense was, I'm not ready for this, and and oh my gosh, like you you know, how can I handle this? And and there was also this sense. I think maybe other people can relate to this, this sense of immediately, uh, we've got to address all these things, you know, the, the finances, yeah, the future, the, the trust, the wills, like, yeah, contingencies and so much stuff. And at first that was, it was just overwhelming is the word. And I've realized in hindsight that, okay, looking ahead to future hypotheticals is good and, and wise but really, and I've learned a lot of this from dad, like, let's keep our focus on the present. <laughs> and that's something I think maybe that, uh, you know, think about your own family member or friend who, who's maybe dealing with some cognitive challenges, kind of the, the presence where you're at. <laughs> the past maybe is a little hazy, you know, the, the future, the timeline, what are we doing tomorrow or this afternoon? Those things may not even be on the table at all, but focus on the present, make the most of what are your current uh, strengths? And I think uh, for us, the, the takeaways that at least in this point of our journey, you know, here we are, what are we almost four years in? For me, it's number one, make it a team thing. The team is so important. And, and again, for us, I mean, that really starts with my mom, you know, mom and dad live, uh, live together. And, and I mean, she's, she's doing great physically and mentally. And She's kind of the the leader of the team again, right along with dad. I mean, you know, a person, the person who has Alzheimer's, like they're they're the team captain. <laughs> you got to remember that too. The next one is stay engaged and stay engaged with whatever it is that you love. That's that's so important for dad. It's being outside. It's being active. It's hanging out with his grandkids. He said he's got five great little grandkids, and that's probably true for a lot of people. So so stay engaged. And then the the final one is kind of this idea that as fast as we can and as slow as we must, and it's kind of these opposing ideas that look at staying engaged. Well, for years, dad's routine was get in his truck and drive to a trail and ride his bike on our super rocky technical mountain bike trail. Well, that, that may not be possible now, you know, riding on a technical trail or driving a truck, but he can still get out and, and he can run along with his buddies or me or or with mom or by himself, right in the neighborhood, got to take it step by step. So those, those are our takeaways. And, and again, back to your original question, you know, for me, probably those, those first few months, maybe, I, I don't know, 
eight months or something. Those for, for me, that was, that was the hardest. And, and doing a, sort of a, a big turning point for me was dad and I did big adventure race together in 2019 and in Fiji called world's toughest race eco challenge. And, and that for me, it ended up being this wonderful experience and also kind of a kind of a rite of passage where coming out of that, I just, I think dad and I both felt a little more comfortable in the new roles in our new, we had the same great relationship that we've always had, but the roles are, are shifting a little bit and that, and that's okay. So that was, I would say, I'm, you know, I like this idea of rites of passage and again, that, that was something that, that helped me. And who knows, maybe if you're, if you're also a child of someone who has Alzheimer's, you know, maybe, maybe there's some way you can set that up for yourself in one way or another. I like that idea. Thanks for planting that seed. That sort of rite of passage or that's a nice visual. Yeah, Maybe it's through something that you do, you know, it's going to look different for everyone. Maybe it's something you do. Maybe it's just something you, you construct in your head or you write in your, your journal or you like know, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Was that the first race that you did together after the diagnosis? Yeah, I think. Yep. Right, Trip? That was the first race. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And that, and that really, that's the first, you know, this is a big week plus nonstop adventure race, again, international location in Fiji. It was sort of the, the first race of that scale that dad and I did on, on the same team ever. I mean, I'm, and I'm glad we got to do it. We had a blast. Yeah. I, I have to share, I didn't watch that. I'm excited to go go back and watch it. When I shared with my social media person, Yavari, she's she's a sweetie. She got so excited. She knew exactly who you were. She watched that okay. race and she yep. was like, she knew exactly Travis and Mark Macy. Oh my gosh. She was going on and on about what an incredible race that was and what a how educational that was. And so that kind of comes back to what you were saying, Mark, about sharing with people about your experience and your journey and being open about sharing with the world. And this was a great opportunity, I'm sure. And I can only imagine how many people you have touched. And just like you watching Julie Moss in her race and how inspiring that was for her, and it caught your eye and led you in a direction, I could see that somebody flipping through the channels and watching the world's toughest race eco challenge in 2019 is going to see you, you and your son out there doing this. Man, you just gave me the pills. <laughs> me and Julie Moss, I never thought of it that way, you know? Man. <laughs> yeah. That is true. I mean, that, that race, you know, the whole, lots of people, Lots of people from all over the world, you know, saw that TV show and it's really not my doing, you know, I just happened to be one of the people in it and it's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Yeah. And like I said, the ripple effect of that, there are people in the future that that don't even know who you are now that you are going to touch in years to come. And that just, again, goes to speak to your mission about not hiding it and not being silent about it. So thank you, Mark. I did have a lot of people contact me from places all over 
all over the world, I think. You know, I had people who thought that they had ideas that might benefit me and some some of them were medical professional people and and who tried to do their best to give me information that that'll help me and and that really was important to me that other people were trying to help me and and that's good you know and I'm trying to do a little bit for people who are just like me and and see if I can help them out anytime. And I'm happy to do that. Thank you. You know, you're bringing up a, a good question, actually. And I've often think about this a lot because there are currently there's no cure for this disease and yet, right. And there are lots of different modalities, lots of different people, whether it's nutrition or it's some drug or some alternative approach. I mean, there's all kinds of possibilities that are, that are floating around out there. And I'm always just as a person, as a therapist who works with families that are facing the future of living with Alzheimer's is I'm always unsure. Where do you hold hope and where, where does it fall into the realm of false hope? And, you know, how do you balance that with people? And I'm just really curious what, for the two of you, what your th- thoughts are. Because Mark, you're, you're saying you had a lot of people from all over the world reaching out with probably tips and ideas and advice on wanting to help you. And how did you navigate that? And how do you continue to navigate that? Well, first of all, I think everybody knows that the best minds in the world are working on this disease. And, and I, I got to believe that one of these days, somebody's going to come on TV and say, we finally got it. Yeah. And we got it. We got it. But, you know, the, the cure is, is here. It's got to be. You know, those people are so smart. <laughs> they got to be able to figure it out one of these days. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I firmly believe that. And, and I'll believe that until until the day I die, I guess, because I, I I can't give up hope on on that on that issue. Yeah. Uh, if I can add real quick, Laura, I think that that's a great question, and and also I got to say, you offering that that service to families is is so valuable because really, like I said. This whole thing, man, it's a it's a team game. And again, it starts with your family and then goes to your friends. But you can also you get to pick your team. And, and that could include a professional like you. It has for us over the last few years more and more included greater team of sort of the Alzheimer's community and Alzheimer's events and that kind of stuff. Like it's it's really important to connect with other people. And like you said, get get out there and make those contacts. But anyway, back to the treatments and, and how do you how do you choose how do you decide i mean w- one thing i've started telling people and again i'm not a i'm not a, i have no expertise or anything but I, I think a lot of the traditional thinking around alzheimer's is is no treatment no cure and therefore especially maybe for for older folks who that's kind of been the you know the story throughout their lives it's, it's like well if there's no treatment or no cure why would i even want to know and I think probably in, in many families, uh, that idea, it might be delaying a diagnosis or delaying 
even broaching the subject, right? And uh, I heard or read somewhere once that, that like kind of the, the measure of a person's life, one key indication is how many challenging conversations they can initiate. And that's kind of stuck with me. I've been a big fan of, man, if there's something you got to talk about, whether it's your spouse or your kids, or, or in many cases, your, your parents with cognitive decline, talk about it, bring it up. It's so hard to do. And I can't tell you how to do it or when to do it, but you got to do it. And a lot of the reason, again, my understanding is the earlier the identification, there's more of a possibility of treatment. You know, some of these new new drugs that are out, the Biogen aducanumab, you know, that's still a fairly a fairly new thing, but currently it's approved for people who are earlier on the spectrum of cognitive decline. So anyway, have the point is have those conversations. And, and then also we talk about in the book, dad's had a lot of sayings over the years. <laughs> He's kind of been, uh, you know, these, these sayings, these mantras, and also humor have been, have been big for him. And one of dad's saying is, is keep the faith. And to me, it speaks to this idea of uh, first and foremost, keep the faith in yourself that you can do this and that we can do this as a team. And then also keep the faith in the things that you're doing. And wh- whether that's traditional treatments with medications or nutrition protocol or functional medicine protocol or exercise and time outside, or for some people keep the faith that might be like in, in faith healing your faith in a power above. I mean, man, if, if that's what your faith is in, keep it, (laughs) do what works for you. And, and also this kind of, for me, this really resonates as an athlete and coach as athletes, we do a bunch of little things at each, you know, it's like, okay, this is a couple percent here, a couple percent there, a couple percent. You do a bunch of little things and they add up to, to make a difference. And with Alzheimer's, maybe those things adding up to make a difference, maybe it's actually bringing some cognitive capabilities back, mm-hmm. or maybe it's just slowing the progression. And that's also a win. And you don't know, you know, back to that uncertainty, you don't know. What's the progression going to be if we don't do this, this, and this? Or dad's diet these days, it's somewhat keto, probably mostly sort of Mediterranean diet. Some sources say that's helpful. So so we do it. There's a couple percentage. And, and spending a lot of time outside, exercising, getting the heart beating faster, that's got to be a few percentage there, especially if it makes you feel good and, and gives you a purpose in life. Keep doing it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Travis, you said so many things. <laughs> I was just jotting notes down as you were talking. One of the things that I was thinking about as you were talking is being clear about what your goal is too. And you you really were alluding to that as in this keep the faith piece and doing any little bit can add up. And the reason I'm bringing up the what is the goal is having balance between quality of life and not losing yourself, not losing yourself in the disease or in the treatment even, or Mm -hmm. so that's so powerful. I am such a geek when it comes to the science and the research. I tend to lean a little more in, in the alternative sector because there hasn't been a lot of hope in the sort of mainstream medical pharmaceutical world. And one of the things that we're learning is about the field of epigenetics and Mm -hmm. the idea that just because you have the genes, the ApoE4 genes doesn't mean that those genes are going to get expressed. And so 
what stood out to me, you said so many things that stood out, but one of those things is the fear of people not wanting to know because they think that there isn't anything they can do about it. If they have these genes, then that there's there it's, it's fate that's going to happen. So I love that you brought that up. Thank you a lot for mentioning that. And even a functional medicine approach, which I, I find pretty attractive these days. Yeah. 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 On the, you know, on that subject of mortality, I have to recommend a, a book called Being Mortal by a doctor named Gawande. And if the listeners haven't read that, I, I highly recommend it. It's It's been very helpful to me looking at not only Alzheimer's, but just this idea of, of aging in the later years of life and how has it been addressed over time and what are we doing now? And, you know, there's, there's not really any concrete answers, but boy, is it a fantastic discussion for sure. And yeah. And then back to even for the child of someone who has Alzheimer's or another form of cognitive decline, boy, if you're such a person like me and you're out there listening to this, that can be a weight. It can be, oh man, what's in my future. And, and, and we don't know and totally it's your choice. Do I want to do 23 and me or something like that and learn about some of these risk factors? Who knows? Maybe so, maybe not. It's, it's up to you. And I, I can say, you know, my, my dad and I have both done that. And, and we both have the normal expression of that APOE gene, the 3-3. Three, three. So you can have the 3-3 three, three expression and, and still d- develop Alzheimer's or, or something like that. So in, anyway, I, I guess- it's more uh, information. Yeah. More. Yeah. It's more information. Maybe it's helpful. Maybe it's not, depending on who, who you are and you know yourself, but it's also- it's not etched in stone. I, th- I think that's another thing that we're that we're learning through, whether it's functional me- medicine or traditional medicine or whatever. The lifestyle, the sleep, the exercise, the diet—I mean, these things are huge, huge, huge. And especially, I, w- I would say, in the last four years, the thing that's come to my attention, or the, the habit of my own that I've changed the most, is sleep. Less of the getting up super early for for work or uh, workout or something like that. And, and again, that's just, that's something that's entered the the scientific discussion that wasn't even there 30 years ago. It's so true. Yeah. I've got, see my fancy ring. <laughs> I've yep. got an aura yeah, got ring. Aura ring. Yep. That's my sleep. Yeah. Yep. I'm learning yep. about it and following and you're right. The progression of research that keeps coming out and, and Mark, you kind of touched on that a little bit too. Thank you for saying that, by the way, Mark. I just appreciate your answer when I asked you that. How do you hold hope? And so it makes me think about how quickly things are progressing in as far as the science and as far as understanding the human body and biology and the human brain. And so I, again, thank you for sort of holding the space for that hope for people. I would love to just hear a little bit more about your book. I'm really excited about this book coming out. I can't wait to read it. Can you tell our listeners a, just a little bit about the book? How yeah. you wrote it? What, where did the idea to write a book come from? What they might find in the book? And then you had mentioned before we hopped on the air, the potential launch date. Give us an idea of when yep. we might get to look forward to this. Yeah. So the title is A Mile at a Time. Publisher is Charles Bridge. On shelf date, March 14th, 2023. Available for pre-order online in fall 2022. And it'll be 
as they say, available wherever books are sold. You know, try to support your your local independent bookstore. It'll also be online at uh, some sites I'm sure people can imagine. We'll try to get an audiobook out there as soon as possible. I'm a big fan of audiobooks, and especially I think for folks who maybe are exercising or drive a lot, or you know, maybe maybe uh, maybe you have Alzheimer's and you can't read, but you can listen to an audiobook. You know, or caregivers. Uh, All we talk about yeah. caregivers who yep. are um, doing laundry and dishes and and yeah multitasking, yep. but that's a very valuable. Yeah. So it's uh the, the book is a memoir. It's primarily in my voice. Like, a, again, like I said, with dad's journals mixed in, you know, dad's kind of the main subject. Like I said, we get some good, good colorful stories from growing up in Michigan in the 1950s and playing sports and even some of the attitudes at the time about concussions, for example, like now in, in kids sports and mini sports, we have these great concussion protocols. And when dad was a kid, you know, his baseball coach was, was an ex Detroit Red Wings hockey player. And and dad got knocked out at practice and the coach just took him to his house and left him on the lawn and drove away. And dad was sitting there outside, didn't know where he was total amnesia. You know, his parents came home two hours later and dad's wandering around on on the lawn. So, um, (laughs) you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. And we also know that uh, TBIs are are not good for anyone. So anyway, we get, you know, some, uh, some of that, um, you know, the, the family history, the, the endurance sports, you know, the eco challenge adventure races, those were kind of the big ones that some listeners might remember. I was on discovery channel and MTV and USA network, the late nineties and early two thousands. So Dad was doing all those, and then the the one that we did in Fiji in 2019 that was kind of a bringing back that that same old race. So, you know, we get that stuff, we get the Alzheimer's stuff, and we also something we tried to to do honestly in in the book that maybe hasn't come out as much in this conversation, but is the the hard side of it. I want to touch on like this stuff is not easy, and even like I said, I, I think all of us are generally at this time in a pretty good place of acceptance and feeling like kind of the, the team is in place and, and stuff. And I mean, I know I still really have some hard moments with anxiety coming up again, jump at where, where's that line between wise planning and, and just being present. So I tried to be pretty honest there with, with some of my very low moments throughout the journey, again, with, with the hope of like dad said, the, the goal of this, don't try to write a book with the goal of making money is my advice. Cause I, I, this is my second book and I can say from experience, but if you're, if your goal is to make an impact and try to help people, then it's worth the hard work. So yeah, that's kind of, that's the motivation. And you know, it's, it's again, me and dad, we also worked with a, a co-writer named Patrick Regan and, you know, he and I kind of shared the lead on, on different chapters throughout the book and, and back to the team thing. That's another thing I learned with, with my first book that, okay, I, I used to be a high school English teacher, you know, I've written a lot of articles and stuff over the years, but I also know a book can be better if I pull in someone else to help out of it. So that's what it is. We're, we're hoping, hoping that it helps people, you know, it's mostly memoir. There is a bit of a prescriptive section at the end with kind of, you know, some more tangible principles or ideas that you might be able to take away for your own family's Alzheimer's journey. Or also we, we hope that that it's widely applicable to, you know, other people going through challenging stuff, which of course we all do and, and is a mandatory part of life. 
Yeah, no, thank you so much. I appreciate you saying that because I'm what you do for a living. Again, can you tell our listeners just a little bit about your work? Because I can see that yeah. crossover Ooh. of mindset and facing challenges. And yeah, most of my income is coaching adult endurance athletes who are training for for these kind of races. I'm, I'm also an athlete myself. Don't race as much as I used to. I'm not as fast as, as I used to be, but I still like it. My current racing focus is this. It's a real sport. You may not believe it. It's called Packborough racing. So it's uh, it's like a, it's a high altitude trail running race where every person has a donkey on a leash. And uh, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Google, Google that Packborough racing and check I out YouTube. Know. You'll You'll see some videos. It's pretty, so, you know, dad's a spectator, mom and dad come <laughs> to most of the races, but you know, you get these, it, it's part of it is a, it's, it's kind of a, an, an old West or mining heritage thing. You know, there's this tradition of, of the miner out there with the pack burrows. And uh, so anyway, you get these little old mining towns, Leadville, Buena Vista, Fair Play, and it's a, a kind of a fun thing that we do out here in Colorado. So um, I love it. I love yeah. it. Well, <laughs> I want to just thank you both. Mark, you have said so many words of wisdom. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely going to go back and re-listen to this podcast and take some good note. But one of the things that stands out is, is something that Travis was quoting you as keep the faith. And I want to thank you so much for, for coming on and having the courage. And I get the sense that you may not even see it as is being courageous. It, it seems well, like it's part of your personality. <laughs> I'm not courageous. I'm just an old guy. And I, I got to tell you, I got to tell you one of the most important things in my life is, is my wife, Pam. And everybody knows about caregivers and Pam is my caregiver, I guess. I, I never use that term, but She's the one who's keeping me going, and man, if it wasn't for her, I'd I'd be in in real trouble, and 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 I'm sure that's you know there's caregivers everywhere, and all of you, you guys are the best, and and everybody loves you all around. So, thank you, Mark. Thanks, Travis and Mark for for joining us today. Thanks, Laura. It's been it's been a pleasure. Dad, do you want to tell hey, them about your you. your tattoo? Dad got his dad oh. got his first tattoo, age sixty-seven. <laughs> sixty-seven, you got a tattoo. Tell <laughs> yeah. us. Can you read it, Dad? It's all good training. It's all good training. <laughs> I love Dad's it. Dad's got it right right on his arm. We got a we got a picture of it up on our podcast website if anyone on the wants podcast. to. Tell us, yes, Check it out. quickly tell us where our listeners can find you. Where I'm going to put, put links for your website and the book and a couple of the things that you mentioned. But real quickly before we end, just share. That the one, the podcast is just uh, travismacy.com slash podcast. And then from there, you can get to, to the other stuff. But okay. yeah, as a father of young kids, we do not support tattoos. But my thought is like, once you're into your sixties, like, you know, yourself well enough. And you know, if you need something like that, especially if it's meaningful, go for it. So (laughs) (laughs) tell us again, read read it one more time. Read that tattoo one more time. I don't know if you can read it. It's on my arm, but it's, it's it's all good training. I love it. Yeah. 
it's all good training. That was one of, another one of dad's sayings over the years. And so finally just got it on his arm. My, my brother-in-law, Jake was going to get a tattoo and dad said he wanted to come. So boom, there you go. <laughs> I, I want, I want a shirt. <laughs> I may not do a tattoo, but I'll take a shirt. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Start with a shirt, maybe a bracelet. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you both so much. Really. It is my pleasure to meet you. And I hope that we can continue this journey uh, together and, and getting the word out and helping people feel supportive and their families not feel alone. And yep. Yeah. Well, thanks, Laura. We, we really appreciate it. Great job with the podcast. You're clearly doing a really good job with this. And, you know, finally to the, to the listeners out there, just Keep hanging in there. Like we said, know, know that you, even if you're feeling alone, I think you got to remember you have a team and consider us part of your team. Whether Who knows? We may never meet you or talk or anything, but just remember there's there's that that team spirit. There's other people going through through this stuff. And, and also remember on my lower days, I tell myself it never always gets worse. And you may be feeling a certain way at a certain moment, but that doesn't mean that that things can or won't get better. Thank you. Thanks for saying that. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. That's my mantra. (laughs) Love it. All right. Thank you very much. Very, very nice talking with you. It was great. All righty. Thanks, Laura. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have comments or would like to send us a message, you can send it to hello at lifeonrepeatpodcast.com. Please also consider following us at Life on Repeat Podcast, either on Instagram or Facebook. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute, nor is it meant to convey professional, legal, psychological, financial, or medical advice. If you can use such services, please seek them out from someone you trust.